Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. You're listening to an irreverent podcast. For more unholy content from our friends, head to irreverent.fm. Hey friends, this is Josie. Um, I'm speaking in church podcast and this is... And I'm Spencer. Josie's not used to having me back yet. I know. I didn't do that right at all. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Spencer's here. Everybody, in case you didn't yes. notice. <laughs> so I'm back. And this week we are with our new friend, Chelsea Long. Chelsea lives in San Diego with her family. Uh, she has three kids and she is a content creator just living her life um, in this little corner of the internet. So welcome, Chelsea. Thank you. Excited to talk to you, too. Yeah. Uh, so, Spencer, I feel like you should tell the people what we're talking about this week. <laughs> yeah. So um, if you listen to our season opener, you know, this is something that I was like, I want all the moms and dads to come on. So we're going to talk about parenting and just what it looks like, um, you know, in this kind of like deconstruction and also just I think even just like how do you parent in 2022? Like it's a wild time we live in. So, uh, Chelsea, you have three kids, so you're farther along in the journey. So excited to hear what you have to say. Yeah. Excited to share and, and talk about all the fun things that is motherhood in, uh, in 2022. So, yeah, we'd love to start the podcast with hearing a little bit more about you, your life story, your testimony, your <laughs> present to the, I don't know. We would love to hear more about you. Okay. Well, I guess I would say I was born into uh, the church, the evangelical, white evangelical Christian church. And um, yeah, I was like a total church kid, you know, went on Wednesdays, went on Sundays, also went on Friday nights to do ministry together as a family, went to just like a pretty standard non-denominational mega church in Akron, Ohio, and went to Christian junior high, Christian high school. My mom taught and still teaches at the school that I went to high school with. And then when, when it was my turn to choose, uh, when I decided to go to university, I chose to go outside intentionally chose to go outside of the Christian bubble because I already kind of started feeling those seeds of, um, I just felt stifled um, being in that total Christian bubble. And so I decided, okay, I'm going to go to a public university. So I went to a state school in Ohio that was pretty close to home, but still far enough away that I could kind of get my independence. And it was great. Like I felt in high school, so stifled and 
was ready to kind of make my own decisions. And I was like, I know I can make good decisions and, you know, be a good person. And even wanting to explore my faith on my own, I got super involved with campus crusade for Christ in college, which was a really positive experience for me. Um, but even as I kind of trace back, you know, my story of deconstruction, I was in college when Obama was first running for president. And, you know, I was like super into him, you know, loved him and would wear like the little Obama buttons on my messenger bag, the whole thing, <laughs> and was still, you know, obviously involved in Christian communities and a church. And that was when I started getting the first pushback of like, you can't vote for Obama and be a Christian, you know, or like, they wouldn't even say that, you know, I had a woman at my church just hand me copied and copied article from, I don't know if it was like Christianity today or some magazine, basically just talking about abortion. Mm. And I was like, Oh, okay. So, <laughs> you know, it, it was kind of one of my first experiences with like, Hey, you can't belong here if you don't go along with, you know, how mm. we feel and what, and what mm. we think. Um, so I, I graduated college and did a year long missions trip. And that's how I met my husband. So, you know, we had the kind of perfect Christian couple meeting um, as missionaries, came home and got married about a year later. Um, and then I moved out to California, which is where my husband was living at the time. And, um, you know, I think it was during that time when I started, it was really freeing because even coming from, I grew up in Ohio, coming to California and kind of experiencing a little bit more of a liberal Christian culture here was really freeing for me. But at the time I still was going to like a pretty standard, you know, evangelical Christian church. And I know Josie, you're in Orange County. You probably know the church. I'm not going to call them out, but I can tell you later. Okay, um, so <laughs> I was, I was going to, you know, it's like a well-known mega church in, um, in Orange County. And that was, you know, how I made, you know, a lot of my friends moving out to California, kind of starting over. I also was in grad school at Cal State Fullerton. And then also, so also during that time, you know, I was still fully in that world. Um, and, but started reading, you know, just kind of started reading and kind of observing the Christian culture that was more liberal. And it felt super freeing. Cause I was like, Oh, I could like be a Democrat and be a Christian, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and I remember kind of the first issue that really started the domino effect, you know, with deconstruction was just like the homosexuality thing. I remember reading torn by Justin Lee, mm -hmm. I think his name is. And that was, yeah, that was the first issue where I was like, wait, actually, it doesn't make sense to me. Like, I don't think being gay is a sin, but I don't think I'm allowed to say that, you know, mm -hmm. and, you know, showing up to my church on Sunday morning that I loved and I had a great community and good friends and all of that, but starting to look around and realize like, hey, they're like everyone that's in leadership is a, is like a white man, you know, and even, <laughs> you know, you know, it's like, we could have the children's pastor be a woman or the worship leader be a woman, but start of started realizing like, oh, and not just a white man, it's like also all cis people too. So it's like, there really wasn't representation out, you know, and I kind of started to realize like, oh, my, my, uh, progressive Christian church actually, you know, it looks cool and whatever and attracts young people, but they're actually not progressive yeah. like, at all, yes. you know, um, that good old bait and switch. Yeah. <laughs> and, and just like, Oh, 
Okay. You know, I, I felt like my eyes just started to open to those things. And I started increasingly feeling like I don't look around and kind of see myself here or my values reflected here. Um, and kind of concurrently while I was starting that process was when I got pregnant and had my first baby who is now almost eight. So this was in 2014. And after I had him, um, man, it just like supercharged my deconstruction journey Mm. because I would just, you know, I had a traumatic birth. I had um, postpartum depression, which I was not prepared for at all. And I felt like I could not connect with God during that season. Um, I was going to this like mom's group that was a part of the church. And actually lately I've been going back and kind of reading like my sermon notes from that time. And the advice that they were giving was just really toxic. And I'm like, Oh, wow. This is like why I deconstructed because (laughs) they're like giving a talk about, (laughs) yeah. Like they're giving a talk about, you know, marriage to like moms, like stressed out moms. And I was like five months postpartum and they're saying like the things I wrote down my little notebook was like, your husband's not meant to carry your burdens, like take them to God, you know? And it just, you know, it was, yeah it wasn't helpful I actually have this like clear moment of one of the days you know I showed up to mom's group and they were doing like a just a whole worship morning and I just basically ran out of that room and was like I cannot be here um I remember they were singing that song that's based off the the Nicene Creed I don't know if you guys know that one it's like oh yeah yeah. I I believe in God yes yeah Mm -hmm. and I'm just like this means nothing to me. Like this does nothing for my life, you know? And it's wild because I was like number one church girl, you know, like my entire identity was in my church, my entire community, you know, that was like a lot of my life. And so, um, it's, it was kind of this big buildup. And then finally one Sunday, you know, I'm sure you can relate Spencer, but it's like the baby, it's so hard to like get up and the baby doesn't sleep well. And it's like, Hey, let's mm-hmm. not go to church today. And then that was kind of nice. And by then a lot of our other friends from the church that we were really close to had kind of started having kids and moving away to be closer to family and all this different stuff. And so we just really didn't feel as connected to that community. And so it wasn't this dramatic thing of like, we left the evangelical church, but I kind of like to say it dramatically, but it was really at that time (laughs) where I was like, okay, I actually, you know, I can go down the list of like, uh, you know, gay rights, feminism, you know, go down the list. And I'm like, I don't actually believe any of the same things that you do. And it was super disorienting because I was like, wait, but I'm like number one church girl, love God, love Jesus, still consider myself a Christian. And yet I don't see myself at all in this community of people. That was mm-hmm. my community, my entire life. Um, and so that was really disorienting and, um, and just felt really disconnected from God. But throughout the whole time, I was like, I still believe in God. I can't imagine my life not believing in God. I can't even imagine my life not believing, you know, not looking to the Bible as kind of my sacred text. But um, but at that time, I was like, well, I'm no longer an evangelical Christian. And then fast forward, we moved to San Diego and we're part of, a, of an intentional neighborhood-based community. So it's kind of like a house church, really small, just a group of families. We all live in the same neighborhood. And a lot of us are kind of in that ex-evangelical group. But the thing that's so nice about the community is that there's no requirement for belief 
before belonging. Mm. And that was something that just feels so revolutionary. It's like in order, usually it's like in order to belong in this community, you have to sign on the dotted line. You have to agree to our creeds, all of that. Mm -hmm. And um, so that's been really refreshing about my community. You know, we're, we're seeking God in the way of Christ, but you know, we're on such a wide spectrum, like theology wise. And so it's been really, it was really perfect for me coming out of that deconstruction time, but still wanting to feel rooted with my faith, um, to find a community that kept me grounded, but also didn't tie me down and gave me a lot of freedom to explore and really be like, this is what resonates for me. And this is what doesn't Mm. that's kind of in a nutshell. I love it. I love deconstructed parents who deconstruct after having children the most probably because <laughs> out of everybody in the world <laughs> it just feels so brave to me especially growing like when you grew up in church and like that's your babysitting right you go on a sunday and it's like i want my kid to grow up with this community and with kids and giving that up seems like it's a huge step for a lot of deconstructed parents and i think that's such a brave step for y'all to have taken i think you know kind of going back to those times, like those months right after my first was born, it, it, it really pushed me into like, I have to get real now, you know, because I'm responsible for this little human and I want to raise him, you know, with like authentic faith and Mm -hmm. belief. And I also don't want to pass on these toxic aspects Mm -hmm. that I'm trying to decipher right now. And so, um, I, I kind of, always have said that motherhood, you know, kind of, it didn't catalyze because my deconstruction started before that, but it kind of supercharged it. And just, um, I feel like that even now with my oldest being eight, and then I have four-year-old twins. I feel, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) Um, yeah, it's like, I kind of have realized that, you know, deconstruction, kind of lasts forever. And, and that's just part of the healing process too, Mm. not just for people who are deconstructing faith, but it's like growing up, you know, like healing from your past, figuring out how to be a whole human in this world is an ongoing process. And I've seen the ways in which what my kids are experiencing and the questions that my kids are bringing to me, it's like this little cycle of, then it dives me further deep to kind of what do I actually think? Because my kids are asking me these questions and I don't want to give them, you know, some BS answer. Yeah. Um, and so it's been, it's been like really stretching and I'm sure, I mean, I'm only eight years in, I feel like the questions probably only get harder, you know? Mm, yeah. But I mean, I think it's cool because how many thousands of millions of parents do we know that just think that's too hard of a road to go down? Just, you know, cause I said, so, or we go to church because everybody goes to church or whatever, whatever, whatever. It's definitely the harder road, which is what a lot of us in deconstruction tend to say. Anyways, it's the harder road than to just follow the same old rules. So well, it's natural. And even like, I have friends that are our age and they talk about their parents and they're like growing up, like, they're like, my parents didn't go to church a lot. It was just more of like, they sent me to Christian school and, you know, they made me go to Sunday school and they're like, and now I'm an adult. And I tell them like, Oh, like, this is like what I believe. And they're like, where did you become such a radical? And, and, and they're like, um, church, like where you told me to go, like, that's where I became such a radical Mm -hmm. quote unquote. Um, so I think that's interesting too. And, um, I agree with Josie said, I think it is really brave because I mean, it's hard to make friends as an adult in general. 
and then add on parenthood. And you really did step away from that only sort of like circle of like, these are my friends. There's other moms here. There's other families. And yeah, I think it is just like, and I, I, I agree. I think a lot of people stay longer than they want to because of that, because they're giving up the only support they know. And it's not even just, you know, people are like, Oh, I stayed for my kids. You know, they just like their friends and all that. And I'm like, yeah, but I think it's also you because you realize that if you walk away, then like, who's going to be there for you too. Yeah. Yeah. I remember um, reading Rachel Held Evans book, searching for Sunday. Mm. And that book was kind of one of the first books that made me feel not alone in deconstruction. And I remember her kind of talking about that same issue, like who's going to make me casseroles after I have a baby. Mm -hmm. Um, But so much of that book, I just like underlined and was like, thank you because someone else gets what it's like. Um, But yeah, kind of back to your thing about uh, parents sending their kids to church and stuff. I've been thinking about that lately. Um, in terms of, you know, like my parents are still evangelical Christians. I still have a lot of friends in that world. And I was talking to one friend the other day and she was asking me like, cause she knows my parents really well and she knows me really well. And she was like asking me what that's like. Um, when I'm questioning these things, we were talking specifically about like the divine feminine and calling, you know, referring to God as mother or she, which is feels so out there for like evangelical Christians. But, um, she was like, I feel like your mom would be down with that. Um, and I was like, well, the thing about my parents is that, and this is kind of what you were saying, Spencer is, um, my parents, you know, we, they went to church and stuff like my whole family did, but, I don't think they realize the toxic messages that I was ingesting all the Mm. time in those environments. And I don't feel like, I mean, my household was not a place to question narratives. And so, Mm. especially I can remember being in high school and just feeling a lot of tension between things that didn't feel right, but also feeling like, well, if I have a problem with that, it has to be me who's wrong because I'm immature. I'm not like spiritually developed yet. And, Mm -hmm. um, and so now when I think about these different issues, I'm like, oh, my parents probably didn't believe that or, or they're not as extreme, you know, like my parents are really great people. They have authentic relationships with God. They're not like off the deep end, like Fox news Trumpers, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and so I'm like, they, they probably, you know, if I would have felt comfortable to be like, mom, I heard this thing at school or like at youth group and that doesn't sit right with me. I feel like she would have been like, oh yeah, I don't believe that. But I didn't feel like my household was a place where I could really question those narratives. And I just kind of felt like, I mean, the worldview of the evangelical church is like, you got to just take it all. And mm-hmm. if you start questioning one thing, like, uh Oh, that's a slippery slope type thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I think for me as a parent, um, I often feel like I'm not giving my kids enough, uh, structure, like spiritually, mm-hmm. um, you know, like we do a little kids, um, Sunday thing. We do our Sunday gathering as a greater community. And we also do, you know, like specific kids stuff on that time. And then actually my kids have all gone to like a Christian preschool, um, which I think is good because I want them to have the foundation, but also there's so much theology and stuff that they Mm -hmm. come home with like as three and four year olds. Mm -hmm. But for me, it's like, that's actually okay. I want them to be exposed to that. But the difference is 
I want them to a hear me questioning narratives out loud Mm. and B I want them to know that they're able to do that too. And like express their own opinions too. So that's kind of where I've landed with it. It's like, I don't necessarily want to totally insulate them from the church. Cause I think the church is still hugely influential in our culture. And I got a lot of good from it, but at the same time, I want them to be able to like trust themselves. If something feels wrong or doesn't resonate, like let's talk about it. Cause that's what I feel like was missing, you know, from my, my upbringing. Yeah, I agree. I mean, my upbringing, we actually were not allowed to. I tried. I trust. I asked way too many questions, my dad would tell you. And it's been interesting because my parents were such hard asses back in the day, like, no secular music and no this. And it would only last for a short period of time because my dad likes rock and roll at the end of the day. (laughs) But it was always, it's interesting now as an adult to see my dad then soften on some of his points and not like, to great extents, like he still thinks that homosexuality is sin, but oh my gosh, do they have a greater burden than we do? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, but it's like because they have me, right? Because now when you call on to reparent your own fucking parents, I'm like, Dad, you can question it, you can ask. God's a big boy or girl or whatever, like they can handle it, I'm sure. Your questions and your doubt, it's fine. So, mm-hmm. seeing the opposite. As, yeah. I don't know. And I so remember weird. like I have such specific memory of one time I was like getting into it with my mom about something and I said something and she goes, well, we don't think that. And in my head, I'm like, who's the we? Because I do think that, but I, the message was received loud and clear that like, you shouldn't think that, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I kind of internalized that I'm an Enneagram one. And so I'm of uh, course, like, mm-hmm. I love to blame myself for everything and just think like, I'm the one with the problem. And so I kind of just internalize that as like, I just got to swallow every problem that I have because, um, I must be the wrong that I must be the one that's wrong mm-hmm. in this situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Spencer, how are you feeling (laughs) right now as a new parent who is also deconstructed slash ing? And I also am in children's ministry. (laughs) Oh, that too. Um, So yeah, I I feel like I've talked about it before. Um, So if y'all don't know, I, my church calls it preteens. It's fourth and fifth graders. So they're like, not old enough to be in youth group, but they're a little too old for just like, you know, normal, like kids church kind of stuff. So on Sunday nights, when they do youth group, I teach preteens and we hang out for two hours and, you know, try to talk about the Bible, but mostly it's really just fellowship. They just need, you know, friends and things like that. But, um, when I do have lessons, you know, I'm really intentional about, um, the kinds of Bible stories I talk about because there are certain Bible stories that have just for whatever reason, it's traditional to teach them to kids, especially old Testament stories that are just honestly not developmentally appropriate for children. Um, especially like, you know, I, there's an Instagram I follow called parenting after deconstruction. And they literally were talking today about like the story of, um, of Abraham and Isaac, like when Abraham's like basically about to like kill his son as a sacrifice. And they're like, why do we teach children that? Because what we think we're teaching children is like your parents, like love you so much. And like that, like God is like going to save you and all this stuff. But really it's just more of like, you're disposable. Like you could be used Mm. as a sacrifice kind of thing. 
And so that's things like that, or even just, um, you know, like the story of Noah, I think a lot of people think is very like innocent, um, because they always focus on just like the animals on the ark when really like, no, like God was so angry at the world that he picked one family to save. Like, how do you, how do you tell that to children? I always thought uh, about the dead bodies <laughs> floating in the water. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And again, you even get into like, you know, Josie and I have talked about this before. Like I love veggie tales, but there are certain veggie tales episodes that should have never been made because you can't turn the story of Bathsheba, which is literally about rape and murder into a story about a rubber ducky. You just or shouldn't Esther? do it. <laughs> yes. It's and, so bad. And again, like Esther is one of my all time favorite veggie tales. I love it, but you as read an the adult, real story yes, as an adult where I'm like, yeah, oh no, Esther's family is going to be sent to the island of perpetual tickling. No, they were going to be murdered. Like, <laughs> They were literally causing genocide and Esther had to go to the king and be like, can you not murder all of my people? Thanks. After likely being sexually assaulted. <laughs> yes, it's because too much. again, in VeggieTales, they make it seem like she entered a beauty pageant and oh the king fell in love with her and he she became his wife. No, she was... She was literally abducted and put into a harem. He had many wives. Like, yep. um, Yeah, so there's just yeah. things like that of... When you're talking about, you know, like them going to like a Christian preschool or like having those narratives, like those are things that I like, they're coming sooner than later because, you know, like the church that I'm a part of, we have a preschool and they let kids as young as one go. And my husband and I are like, yeah, like if she went like two days a week, it'd be great, you know, to socialize with with other kids. But then I'm already like, I need to know like what their curriculum is. Like, what are they going to teach her? Because you're those conservative parents. I want the lesson plan by June, but the opposite. Oh yeah. Well, and again, I, you know, I go to a very progressive church, but I think sometimes progressive churches skip children's ministry. Yes. I think because Mm -hmm. we're so ingrained of like, this is just what you do with kids church. We continue to teach these stories without thinking about like, is this age appropriate to tell a three-year-old? No. No, And I don't want people to think that I'm anti like teaching kids the Bible. That's not it at all. I just think that, um, there are age appropriate stories and just even, even leaving things out of the story. I don't think that's wrong. Like, I think it's okay to admit, like omit certain facts that are just not age appropriate, like violence or things like Mm -hmm. that. And then again, Mm -hmm. you can just revisit the story. Um, and so that's something that is just, again, in my own, like what I teach my, my fourth and fifth graders. And now again, my daughter's only 12 weeks old, but even just in her like library of very much choosing intentional, like books that are written, like they're Christians books, but they're written by progressive authors. So whether that's mm-hmm. like, um, like Matthew Paul Turner is one of my absolute favorites. Uh-huh. And I just got a brand new book, um, by Teresa Kim. Um, I am going to butcher her last name. It's, uh, Pekinovsky, but she wrote a book called mother God. And I yes, literally got I it. that book. Yes. yes. Did you see the, so I got it in the mail like two days ago and she just posted on her Instagram that there's a whole scripture guide to the book. Amazing. So when people, Aww. yeah. So when people like push back of like, Oh, like the Bible doesn't really show God as the feminine. No, like she wrote this children's book and literally has scripture references Mm -hmm. to see like, 
this is literally where the Bible talks about like God giving birth or like the dissertation God. dummy down for the dummies. Yeah. Yes. I, and- I'm super into the idea of God as mother. Um, mm-hmm. And it's something that I've like read a lot about and studied a lot about. And as I read through that book, I was super impressed because I was like, yeah, this is literally straight from scripture on every page. And I was just crying because for me, um, that has been a huge healing thing is seeing, you know, femininity, seeing like a female, uh, envisioning of God that was so lacking for me, my entire life, um, up until the last like five years. And so, Uh, you know, I was so thankful for that book because I get to read that to my kids and I have a Mm. daughter and she gets to grow up already knowing, you know, like that's the cool thing that I feel like is why we do what we do in deconstruction is because our hope is that we can do better for our kids Mm -hmm. that she can grow up and be like, Oh yeah, mother God, like no big deal. That's great. Mm. You know, exactly. And you know, as somebody that I didn't become a Christian until I was a teenager. So there's so much that like I skipped in the sort of like the like children's ministry aspect that for a long time, I never thought anything of it. Like when I was in college, I was a kids ministry intern and I loved it. I loved teaching those Bible stories. We were doing Noah. I was freaking turned up. I love the story of Noah. (laughs) And again, like all of a sudden I become an adult and I start to deconstruct and exactly what you said of like, having a kid like fast tracks things because I thought I was like pretty deep in my deconstruction. And then I got pregnant and real, like really had to be like, my kid's going to be born into the church. I was not like, what does this look like for me? Like, I want her to be born into a church community that is affirming of queer people. I want her to be Mm -hmm. born into a church community that has women in leadership and is truly like, showing diversity like and not just in the oh yeah there's women in leadership but shows like people of different colors and all of this stuff where I'm like wow this is a really heavy burden and again I know people will tell me all the time like oh you have so much time you have so much time I agreed like you do but you also like they start picking things up so quickly Mm -hmm. Uh, it's one of those things of you know my sister was kind of raised in the church we started going when she was like three or four maybe and so there are things that like she tells me from kids church that I'm just like what the heck like I didn't know you could remember that and so yeah I'm like I really need to kind of just it's one of those things that I'm like I need to set a boundary on now if that makes sense Mm -hmm. um because I don't want to be idle in it and all of a sudden Mm -hmm. just kind of go through those motions and then feel that sort of stuck like I can't get out of it because like this is the only support we have. Like these are her friends. She grew up in this. And so like, I want that for her, but I want it to be a safe place. And I want it to be somewhere that it isn't, you know, she, like you said, Chelsea, like the freedom to disagree and kind of have dialogue and knowing that just because you're a kid doesn't mean you just have to take it. Like you have questions, ask the questions. And it's, you know, it's such a cliche, like kids are your mirror, but it's honestly so true because when you have a little person questioning you all of a sudden you're like, Oh, like, does my life actually show out that I value the things that I say that I value, Mm. you know? Mm -hmm. And so it's, um, it's, it's been challenging for me, you know, to, and, and it's an ongoing process. And I think for me, it's like knowing that 
I'm going to get things wrong. I'm not going to do things perfectly, but hopefully the goal is to grow and to have that openness with my kids of like, I changed my mind or like, Hey, Mm -hmm. I said that, you know, we cared about X, Y, Z thing. And then you pointed out to me that nothing in my life shows that I actually care about that, you know? Mm -hmm. And so, um, I think I can get a little obsessive, obsessive over like, Oh, I'm not doing enough. I'm not doing it right. But just like trying to, I mean, you know, that's just one aspect of parenting. Never mind, Like the freaking hard every day, like feeding mm. your kids, like yes. getting your kids to sleep, like getting your kids. And even that's and... controversial to people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yeah, like what you were saying about the Bible stories, man, I mean, I feel like even like the story of Jesus dying on the cross is like oh, not kid appropriate, not appropriate. you know? <laughs> Easter like, is not for children. That, <laughs> Easter, was, oh man. That was literally one of the things probably one of the only times when I was a kids ministry intern that I like question things is planning good Friday activities for children. Like I remember sitting in the, my boss, my boss was the children's director. I remember sitting in her office and being like, how do I teach first graders about Jesus dying? Like I, I'm like, this just feels inherently wrong, especially when I'm like, this is the cornerstone of our faith. But like, this is traumatic. Like, how do you teach this to children? Like, and again, it's that fine balance of you can't just like sweep over it. Like, you can't just make it a Veggie Tale story. But you can't make it like you graphic. Yeah, you can't bring the like reality of how graphic it was. And it's something that's so like I just think about all the time where I'm like, I don't know. And I and again, I think it's one of those things that you start early of not hiding things from kids. And so, um, you know, like I have my grandparent, I have two, I have a great grandpa and a grandma that are still living. So Sloan has a great grandma and a great, great grandpa that are living. Most likely they will pass when she's pretty young. And that's something that like is both a blessing and a curse because totally a blessing if she gets to like, at least meet them and have photos of them, which is like people would die for. Um, but kind of that, that curse of like, she's going to be exposed to death very young and Mm -hmm. like having to navigate that as a parent is something that I already think about because I'm like, I don't want to like mess this up because, you know, I remember my first experience with death of when my great grandma died, when I was a kid, like that was very traumatic for me and my siblings. And then my grandpa died a few years later and wanting to be able to navigate that, you know, like my parents did as best as they could to like explain it to us. And I'm grateful that they took the time. And so it's like, how can I do it better? You know, like no more or no better do better kind of thing. Like, and it's, yeah. So it's hard of like, it's hard to even explain it when it happens to family, let alone you're like, so this is what our whole belief system is based on. Yeah. And then add on top of it, that layer of like, you did this, you know, like Mm. your sin put Jesus on the cross. Like I, you know, that is like one of my things about my kids preschool is I like almost want to like keep them out of school when it's Easter time. My Mm. older one, you know, he was, he's always just been like a super precocious, bright kid and wanting to know all the answers. And when he was three years old, he would like come home from preschool and he was just obsessed with talking about Jesus dying on the cross and Jesus blood. And I remember one time we're in the car, my husband's driving, my son's in the backseat and he's like, mom, 
why did Jesus, why did God kill Jesus? You know, and why did Jesus have to die? And I turn around, I'm like, I don't think Jesus had to die. And my husband was like, you don't? It was, it was like a funny moment where I was like, we should talk about our theology, but like, you know, that is an example of trying to explain to a three-year-old, mm. you know, like a, a non-toxic theology of like <laughs> Jesus' death. Yeah. Um, really, that was like an example of a specific issue where it's like, I actually have no idea how to explain this to my kid because so often in deconstruction, you only know what you don't believe or like what you don't want and it's hard to find a vision of what you do want and what you're going for and so you know that was just like one example of like well I better figure out like what actually what I believe and what makes sense to me and what feels like Mm. you know a healing I don't know version of the story or a redemptive Mm -hmm. version of the story um and then I got to figure out how to explain that to a three-year-old, but it's always, it's been this challenging feedback loop of like, you're coming to me with a question. I have no idea what to tell you. Uh, I don't want to mess you up. So like, give me a little bit of time to study this and like, I'll come back to you. And then again, kind of going back to them and being like, well, this is what I think, you know, and, and, uh, here's what other people think, you know, and here's what you're hearing at preschool. And, um, I'm always like, you know, because that worldview, that evangelical worldview is so just black and white, like this is just the way that it is. And so any exposure that my kids have to that world, I like prep them before sending in like, (laughs) Hey, they might make you feel like if you believe anything else, you're wrong, Mm -hmm. but there's actually a lot of ways to think about things. And actually this past summer, I, um, sent my eight-year-old to vacation Bible school at his grandparents' church. My husband's parents live here in San Diego mm-hmm. too. And they go to this like huge, you know, mega church. So the, I was like, well, I want him to go to the VBS for like the childcare. So every day before VBS, <laughs> I would like give him this little like pep talk, you know, like, so he came home from VBS one day <laughs> and he's like, mom, um, they were talking about when God created the earth and they were saying that God created, you know, the earth in seven days. And I said, you know what I think? I think we came from monkeys. And I was like, I was like, Oh, uh, what did they say about that? And he was like, well, they said, well, we don't believe that. Like the Bible says, you know, God created the world. And then he goes, I said, I think you can believe in both. And I was like, my work here is done. Yeah, this eight-year-old has better, like, dang, I need to be on that. I was like, love that non-dualistic thinking. Let's yes, keep that going. Like, but like, I was like, that was like one good parenting, one good shining parenting you know. moment. You know what I mean? No, I love that. Cause that's literally like, and again, it's, it's things like that, that I'm like, these are kids, these are children's Bible stories that I'm like, my poor daughter is just going to be like, I hope she's like that. I hope she rolls up to Sunday school. And if they're like seven literal days, she's like, well, the Bible says that like a day to us is 10,000 years to God. So how do we know if it was seven literal days? Mic drop. (laughs) I really just want her to be like that. And I love what you're talking about of just like, you have to figure it out for yourself because you're so right. There are so many things where I, I know for sure, like, well, I don't believe that. And like, but there are other things that I'm so like, like I ditched the idea of original sin long ago. Mm -hmm. And then it was just, it was just 
like totally brought to light again of when they laid that baby on my chest, like fresh and new, and literally she can't do anything except for cling to me for life. I'm like, how can people believe that this is sin? Like, this is just filled with sin. I think that's a load of horse shit. And so now just trying to define for my, like, I, I keep saying like, oh, it's, I got to define it for her. I'm trying to define it for myself. Love, like, mm-hmm. what even do I believe is sin? Because we're parenting ourselves. Yeah. Because yeah. you know what, when I was 16 and I was lying to my parents and doing shit, I shouldn't have been doing. Yeah. I think that was probably like sin, but also it was part of like, you know, like brain development. Mm-hmm. And so trying to like, what does that look like? And again, like when I'm a jerk to people on purpose as a full grown adult, that's probably sinful behavior, but does a three-year-old have that? I don't think so. Does a five-year-old have that? I I don't think so. Like when does it happen? You know? And that is something that is so hard for me because exactly what you said of, again, like, how am I going to explain? Like Jesus died on the cross to save us from our sins. What the heck is sin? Like, <sighs> I don't know, man. <laughs> Yeah. I know. And, and I think, um, I just lost my train of thought, but what, you know, I think the other thing is that the evangelical mindset is so, you know, like we just have an answer for everything and that's just the way that it is. And so I think that's something that I've had to realize and kind of, I always say like, I have a little evangelical in my head and like every year, <laughs> you know, she gets quieter and quieter, but like, you know, the evangelical in my head is always going to be telling me like, you're not giving them enough structure. You're not giving them Mm. enough certainty and just being like, but maybe I don't have to give my kids certainty because we don't actually have certainty in life. Mm. And maybe it's like more of a gift to my kids to be like, I don't know the answer, but like, we can talk about this. Like we can try to figure this out together and figure out an answer that feels, you know, good for us and who knows what the next generation is going to do with that they'll probably swing swing back all of our kids are probably become like fundamentalists again you know uh, (laughs) i rebuke that in the name of jesus it's gonna be their journey oh gosh you want to be repressed (laughs) my kid comes up to me and is like mom i actually think that like women don't have a voice in the church i'm gonna be like gays are going to hell i'm gonna be like um, we don't believe in hell first. <laughs> we. And then your kid will be like, exactly. who's the we? I yes. believe in hell. Exactly. Just like little me when I was 16. Yeah. I would be, be like, like, I didn't believe in hitting no. kids up until right now, you little kid. <laughs> yeah, literally, I'd be like, be like going back in time, like, dang, like, should I have spanked you at one point? I would have made you a <laughs> liberal. Oh my God, there is no hell. That's exactly like what the heck god loves you too much for hell yeah no, he doesn't oh my gosh that's like honestly i feel like i know people like that though like not that extreme yes like, i definitely feel like i know people that have like pretty like like my mom would say like hippie woo parents that are very like conservative like fundamental like bible people i'm like what happened like what happened to where like, did they go wrong yeah. what happened to the original plot of the movie mm. those granola yeah. parents were not letting them have sugar that's what happened that is what happened and there's yeah. lots of sugar at church functions 
That's right. True, <laughs> true, true, true. But like, do. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, you know what you're saying about you hope your daughter is that way. I think the other thing, you know, in terms of like going in and being like given a good rebuttal or whatever, I think that's the other thing that I've learned. Um, for, since having a more than one kid is like when I had my first, I felt like for better or worse, I felt like if he did something good, it was because of me. If he did something bad, it was my fault, you know? And, and that translated like good, bad is like such a, you know, you know, shorthand, but it's like, if he didn't mm-hmm. sleep that well that night, you know what I mean? It's like, what did I do? I didn't, he was mm-hmm. hungry. Blah, blah, blah. But then it's like, if he, slept like a rock star. It's like, yeah, I'm such a good mom. Like I sleep train him. You know what I mean? Um, (laughs) And then when I had, or like with eating, you know, like if he was a good eater, it was like, Oh, I introduced him to like food so (laughs) early. And he's like such a good eater now. But when I had my twins, it was like this amazing experiment because it's like, (laughs) here's two children that came out of my body. Like at the same time, (laughs) they're like in the same developmental phases. I feel like I'm doing everything the same and yet they're two completely different human beings you know what i mean like so amazing it was liberating honestly (laughs) because i was like oh like i'm a good mom like i know i'm a good mom and i can kind of let go of feeling like everything is my fault or Mm. like everything is dependent on me and Mm. i even see that now you know, now that my twins are four, um, and I'm trying to figure out like, how do I nurture their inherent spirituality and their inherent like response to learning about God or how they question God or they don't or whatever. Um, and it's been so cool to see how, you know, it's, they're so different, even as like four-year-olds with how they experience God, how they conceptualize God. And, and it's, it's been really liberating. I feel like the twin thing has been super, it's like this little experiment of like, how are you guys going to turn out? You know what I mean? (laughs) Yes. Oh my gosh. I have to say that as a non-parent, but I've done my fair share of parenting. You know, us Mexicans like to do it together. (laughs) (laughs) All the cousins. Yeah, exactly. Hey, little shit, get off there. Whatever. (laughs) Um, It's been, I love talking about this because it just feels preparing i i mean i've been preparing myself for a little while longer as a traumatized youth but (laughs) nothing prepares you when you don't know deconstruction is coming you know Mm -hmm. so we should keep having these conversations all that to say yeah well and i think a lot of us i know for me like there's a really hard balance of like I don't know. Like even sometimes on the podcast, there are things that I think twice about because my mom listens every week and I just am like, I'm like, my mom, my mom is a, my mom is my best friend and she is like the perfect mom for me. Mm -hmm. Like very much like a God knew what he was doing. And even then, you know, like we're only, you know, people can only do so much with the information they have. Yeah. And so there, there are even things where like, like when I want to do things differently, it's not because I think she's a bad mom. Again, it's just that no better, do better. So like Mm -hmm. the way I'm going to introduce food to my kid, like food is morally neutral. Like Mm -hmm. I'm going to like, you know, if we're going to have dessert that night, then it's going to be served with the meal because I never want her to feel like something is better than the other, you know, because I think that's how like unhealthy habits can happen. Mm -hmm. Or I'll never make her like, 
think of her body in a certain way because again bodies are morally neutral like it doesn't matter what it looks like and so there's so much stuff that like it's I think it's hard like trying to like reparent yourself and trying to parent a kid and still having a great relationship with your parents because again there's so much of and even like with my in-laws like there's so much that you know, my husband and I talk about doing differently and I don't want them to think it's because I think they're bad parents. It's not that at all. It's just, I, there are certain things that I grew up and it's not, it's not my parents' fault that I had anxiety about my body or food. It's not their fault at all. But if I can do something different to hopefully mitigate that for my kids and I want to do that, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. My therapist says that I can blame everything on my parents. Yeah. (laughs) I think you should. But my parents were not as nice as yours, mom. As yours, Spencer. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, that's always the tension. I always remember, I think it's in her first book, Glennon Doyle tells, Mm -hmm. um, she talks about like her relationship with um, Craig, her ex-husband's mom and how, um, she kind of sees it as, well, she tells this story. I think it was about like Maya Angelou, um, going to some country that she didn't know the customs of. And, um, there's like this big rug in the center of the room and like, everybody's walking around it. And I think it was Maya Angelou. She's like, this is weird. Like, why is no one walking on this rug? And she just like, stop. She like tramples right across it. And then she sees like the staff um, at the home, like roll up the rug and then like roll out a clean one. And then they start like setting a table on the rug. And then she realizes like, oh, I just like walked all over their dining room table. And so um, in, I think it's in Carry On Warrior Glennon's first book, but she is like, basically she learned to see, um, you know, her mother-in-law, like the way that she Mm. made decisions for her family and raised her kids was like her tapestry, you know, Mm -hmm. that she had been weaving for all of these years. And, you know, and now as the next generation and with our own families, like we're weaving our own tapestry and trying to have respect for that and not like stomp all over it, but also, um, you know, like recognizing the beauty and that they did the best they could with the information that they had. And then hopefully, like, I think the hard thing is when you don't get that mutual respect back, like, but I also think it seems so hard to be a parent of an adult. Like that is just fully making their own choices. Yeah. For like, I think that's, that's so hard. And I think about that all the time. Like when mm. I think about my kids growing up and like choosing partners and just like, how many times am I going to have to just bite my tongue? You know what I mean? Yeah. God bless and, you. The Lord knows and, I'm not. <laughs> and that's something too. Like my mom, like, like she had told me like before my daughter was born, she really just told me, she's like, she's like, listen, like, your dad and I respect you as an adult and as a parent. And if there's really something that like you are going to draw a line on, like we're going to respect that. And like, I like get emotional thinking about that because I know so many of my friends that don't have that. Mm -hmm. And exactly what you said of my mom, there's four of us and all four of us are adults now and three of us are parents. And so she sees four adult children and now three of us are married. So there's there's three other adults that she loves like her children all making choices now five grandkids we're all making and we all parent again like i'm a my brother also has a newborn and even just subtle things that as parents of infants we parent differently and you know things like that that's just gonna get even more prominent as they get older she's gonna see all of her kids 
parenting differently and choosing different things. And I can't even imagine like overwhelming, like, yeah. And yeah, I'm just very thankful that, um, I have a mom that has a lot of grace and has a lot of patience and is very open-minded about things because yeah, like you said, I know that there's so many people that don't, don't have that respect given back to them. And it just makes it even harder to be a parent of littles, let alone adults. (laughs) Well, thank you, Mama Noble for paving the way for us. It's all because of you. We dedicate this episode to you. (laughs) So saith I, even though I'm the most embarrassing one on this podcast. I'm so sorry, Mama. (laughs) Josie, it's been amazing having you. We are hoping you come back. Yeah, anytime. I feel like this is not talked about enough. Like, I I Mm want to talk about these things because I don't see a lot of people talking about them. And I think we're all kind of just like floundering around trying to do our best, you know? I agree. If anybody has any questions about parenting, we'll do an AMA episode with Chelsea. So send them to us. (laughs) Um, That sounds like fun. I just came up with that off the top of my head. Chelsea, do you have anything to plug? Um, I am most active on the Instagram. My handle is at Chelsea Kim Long, C-H-E-L-S-E-A is the spelling of Chelsea. And then Kim, like Kim Kardashian, long, <laughs> the opposite of short. So you can find me on Instagram. I also have a website, ChelseaKimLong.com. Didn't talk about this at all in the episode, but I'm super into meditation. Mm-hmm. And my jam is kind of taking Bible verses that have haunted me since my childhood and then like really digging into how I can kind of redeem them and reinterpret them in a way that feels life-giving. Yeah. So oh, that sounds like interesting. A, yeah. Check like her a, out. A trauma like informed like Lectio Divina. Like, <gasps> yeah, it's kind of like I'm mm-hmm. I'm I've been really influenced by yoga and like that mm-hmm. tradition. And so you can definitely see that influence, but I'm also super influenced by like Rob Bell. And mm-hmm. so I, mm-hmm. I love his podcast and the way that he will tell stories from scripture and he's like it's fine if you don't like believe in jesus or whatever like let go of all of that like let's just look for the truth and like the beauty here mm. and so that's what i try to do is like it doesn't matter if you're a christian if you're an ex-christian if you're in a different faith tradition um i believe that there's like beauty and truth to be found in the bible and i'm drawing from that because that is like the sacred text that it's kind of like my language for how Mm -hmm. I talk about God. And Mm -hmm. so, um, I think in the deconstruction space, I definitely understand if people are like, gotta go, gotta throw the whole thing out. But for me, like I never wanted to do that. I was like, I never asked Mm -hmm. for this. Like I never asked to not be a Christian. Like, so I want to, you know, stake my little claim of like, I want to work towards seeing beauty and truth, like in this tradition that extends like way beyond, you know, the USA in the 1950s, you know what I mean? Like there's so much more of the history of Christianity. And so kind of reclaiming that and, um, and yeah, so check me out. Yeah. Sounds like a speaking in church approved website to us. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Spencer, where can the folks find us? They can find us on Instagram at speaking in church. They can find Josie at Josie takes the world and they can find me at Spence Rose. And you can email us at speaking in church at gmail.com. Still waiting on that Trumpian. I'll wait forever. I'll wait for you. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Other than that, you can uh, support the podcast by giving us a coffee or buying us a coffee, otherwise known as baby formula and diapers through the link in our Instagram bio. Um, uh, Minimum five bucks, which, you know, I think is fair. 
we don't have to. We just want to get baby Spence that baby stuff. Baby Spence. <laughs> wow, she's like you. All right, friends. Well, anyways, uh, stay woke or get love. Jesus loves you. Bye. <laughs>